Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hello, everybody. Welcome into episode 36 of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I'm super stoked today to share with you an interview I had recently with Kim Carr. Now, you might be wondering who Kim Carr is, so let me tell you this. Kim was a 13-year teacher and now gives students a voice by speaking full-time and working side-by-side with student interns and volunteers. In fact, she is the co-founder of the nonprofit organization called Hashtag I Can Help. Kim shows students and adults how to use digital for good. I Can Help is an effective outcome-based program, and it's received recognition from Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees and major tech companies like Google, Twitter, and Facebook. I Can Help celebrates youth innovation, empowers digital change makers, and promotes digital safety. I had an amazing conversation with Kim, and I'm super excited to share that with you on this episode of the podcast. Before we go there, just really quick, I've been telling you and asking you to share the show over the last several weeks. The Leaning Into Leadership podcast promotion challenge has come to a close, and I'm super excited to announce two winners of the podcast shares, and that's Chris Leglider and Dan Wolf. Now, Chris and Dan will both be receiving an RTA swag package, which is their choice of a Road to Awesome shirt. We have both short sleeve and long sleeve. Their choice of an RTA published book, and, of course, some stickers from Road to Awesome. Enjoy this conversation with Kim Carr. I will see you on the other side. All right. I am so excited to welcome Kim Carr onto the Leading into Leadership podcast. Kim, I've been looking forward to this conversation. How's everything going today? Oh, man. I'm super excited because actually, we actually have the uh, game tomorrow with Aaron Judge. New York Yankees is one of our ambassadors. So tomorrow is a big game for us. I'm excited for that. Oh, that's outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to hearing a little bit more about that for sure. Before before we dive in, Kim, just real quick for my listeners who maybe don't know Kim Carr, just yeah, quick background, elevator pitch of who you are, what you've been up to, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I taught middle school PE and leadership for 13 years, started seeing huge issues back in like 2009, uh, increase with devices and becoming issues with fake pages, hate pages, inappropriate messages, uh, passive aggressive text messages, people asking for nudes, students were sending nudes, no one knew how to handle these situations. So I started having to pause teaching and teach them how to handle these you know, steps, like how do you go report? How do you, how do you answer these awkward conversations? Uh, and then someone actually created a fake Facebook page on one of my teachers. It went on for two weeks, it had a thousand followers uh, no one told any staff member till finally one student did two weeks later. And uh, I started having a conversation like, why didn't you say something? They didn't want to make made fun of, right? Uh, they didn't want the retaliation of it. And I'm like, you probably are going to get made fun of. And so I taught them how what they could have done. Um, they could have commented and then texted their friends to also comment. So they wouldn't be by themselves. A year later, someone made a fake Instagram page. And uh, that's kind of how that kind of got started was then it was shut down in 45 minutes instead of it being on for for 
you know, two weeks. Um, so we created a nonprofit based off of that. So our nonprofit's been around since 2013. We're a 5013C. I think that's awesome. And and you know what's interesting there? I mean, there's there's a whole lot in there to, to unpack and we're going to get into uh, I Can Help, uh, the, the, the nonprofit, all that kind of the work that you're doing. But I think it's um, something that we need to hit really quick. So you're a leadership teacher, you're a physical education teacher, and you stepped into the space of teaching students how to respond to the nude requests, the the hate text messages, those kinds of things, often in our profession, and it's not a it's not a dig on on educators by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of people would be like, "Whoa, that's not my job. That's the counselor's role." Or, "Whew, you better go see the principal," or something like that. What what was it in you that was like, "Whoa, hold on." In in your own words, I'm going to pause teaching and teach them about this. Absolutely the right thing to do, but it, it takes courage to step into that sometimes. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I always joke and I tell people actually I felt like when I taught, I missed it so much because I felt like I was the fun police. Like that's kind of what my job was, is making sure that students felt comfortable coming to school. And when they're not feeling comfortable because of these these devices, that's a campus culture thing. And you definitely have to intervene. So yes, when we talk to educators about trust and safety, the number one thing is, is there's going to be times when you have to step away from your edu- whatever you're trying to teach that day so that a kid can feel that they can continue to learn, right? There's something that's going on. So that is a big piece in education is knowing your campus culture, climate, and how students are feeling. Absolutely. Well, and it gets into relationships, right? I mean, if, if you don't have the relationships with the kids and build those trusting relationships, you never find out about that, Right. Right. I mean, when we were growing up, we went back to our house and it was safe, right? But now these things are still going. They're not safe. So it is it's building that relationship, knowing, getting a feel of what students are kind of living with in that in that time frame, because they can't learn if their thought is on something that's going down from the night before. Yeah, absolutely. So I just I want to ask you one one other thing real quick, and then I want to dive into uh, to the I can help work. Around the country, there's all kinds of different responses to the devices in, you know, in buildings. We, you know, we know there's there's some schools that it's absolute, you know, they're blacklisted. You can't have them. There's consequences. There's other schools that are like, no, we've got to use them as learning devices. There's this incredible gray area in between. Um, heck, there are companies out there now that make like lock devices for for phones. And I mean, I, I know there's a handful of schools, a friend of mine works at a school in California that they're using those. I think they were one of the pilot schools. Um, what, are, what are your, I guess, your thoughts and your learnings or, or maybe some things you've seen around the country as you've been doing this work for, uh, for the last nine years around that management of those devices with the students? I, I talk with leaders all the time and it invariably it comes up. What are we going to do about cell phones? What, what are some things you're seeing? Yeah. Well, our nonprofit, our mission is to educate and empower students to use digital for good. And so, yes, we I totally back schools who say we don't want devices as long as they do it in a kind of positive way. Right. It's like, hey, we're not having devices because of your mental health, because of your focus. Right. As long as you have that kind of mentality, it's not just like you can't have it and you're coming in across it as a negative thing. You're having to teach them how to use your you're, you need to realize they are going to use it. So it's making sure they understand why we're not using it at school time. 
is so that you can have that downtime. It helps you with your mental health, like that kind of thing. But I'm also backing the schools that choose to do one-on-one devices as long as they're educating them on, um, uh, you know, how to use it when they are in school and that they have all the right systems to make them successful and even making sure the parents um, know how to use it because I just did a parent night and the number one thing parents were saying is they didn't know when their kid comes home with that laptop that because it's not on school Wi-Fi anymore, they can download things, they can see certain things, but when they're at school, it's locked down. But when they're at home, the parents have to set up parent guidelines. So has schools even thought of that to make sure that their parents are trained to uh, adjust their Wi-Fi at home? So it is having these open conversations and discussions. Um, it is becoming a state law uh, to now have to have conversations about social media literacy, digital literacy, those kind of things are all becoming state laws because we need to have, we need to teach students how to use digital for good, for sure. Yeah. And I, I love how you, how you refer to that as, as digital for good. I mean, I, I was always a proponent of, you know, let's not lock down everything that, that our kids need access to, you know, let's, let's allow them to have the devices so we can teach them to use them responsibly. I mean, if we, it's, I don't really want to chase this, but I'm going to use this phrase anyway. It's like teaching abstinence, you know, I mean, abstinence from a phone. Let's teach them how to use it responsibly, right? Um, You know, because ultimately they're going to leave our campuses and they're going to have them. And so if we're teaching them to be responsible, maybe they're not on their device when they're driving a car leading, you know, potentially to an accident or, you know, doing inappropriate things you know, at practice or, or whatever the case may be. But uh, yeah, we're on, we're on the same page there. I just, I just wanted to really kind of see, you know, given the work that you're doing, you know, where you work. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think the big one that resonates with educators, um, even parents is you have to kind of look at it as when the kid were younger and you need to teach them how to read, you just sit with them, right? You truly had to sit with a kid to teach them how to read. It was torturous because you're like, oh my gosh, it says the, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah. it takes a long time to get like it's a it's a hard skill to you know concept is the reading part but you had to sit with them and really teach them how to do that and you had to re- help them how to analyze stories how to analyze the context right same thing is happening to these devices now is you just sit with them and you have to help them analyze is this a negative uh post is this a positive post is this something i should get behind is this something i should follow is this something i should comment on Right. Like we need to sit with them um, just like we did when we were reading. I think that's awesome. And I, I love that you talked about, you know, a parent night. Um, you know, I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, educating staff around this stuff, too, because, you know, so often, um, you know, when, when I was a building principal, especially not as much as a superintendent, but as a building principal, sometimes there were those conversations with staff around, you know, hey, if, if you're friends with your students on Facebook or they're connected with you on Instagram and you're posting pictures, you know, that are less than appropriate. Think about, you know, the, the model that you're setting, you know, it's, there's just this, this level of, or filter maybe, you know, for, for all of us as individuals that we need to be aware of and and be mindful of the example we're setting, uh, you know, as, as the grownups, the role models for, for our young kids. So, so, okay. So let, let's dive in a little bit more here. So you start this nonprofit in 2013 and now, I mean, you've impacted just, just thousands and thousands of, of people through this work. I know you empower students to, to do this work. Take us kind of through the growth and the development, you know, kind of from that beginning stages to where you are now with, with your nonprofit, I can help. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've been um, honored to, we've been able to train 470,000 students. And then we feel like we've impacted, we've been able to prove we've been impacted 12.1 million. Because if you train them, then they're able to go back and train even their grandmas. A lot of students have actually came back like, I had to tell my grandma, like she shouldn't have posted that, right? So it's pretty neat because it is that power of spreading it out. Uh, but yeah, when we first started, it was student councils is who we kind of targeted because being my background and, and my co-founder Matt So's um, background is was in student leadership. And so because we were speaking at leadership conferences, then other states were like, can you come to our student council? And that's kind of our secret sauce was to get in with leaders. Um, I was just in Kansas last year for two weeks and we uh, went to um, 12, 12 schools. No, yeah, 12 schools, but then they brought in 144 schools because every school hosted so many schools and then they we trained them to be able to go out, right? So that whole concept of just the train the trainer model and then they're able to go back and teach their students. So that model started off in California and then it just kept going up to Oregon, over to Nevada, like all these different states, New York. Yeah. Um, it just kept spreading and then we got people like Aaron Judge from the Yankees to be one of our ambassadors, to be our speak spokesperson, to be able to get that out there. We then got a Sharpie. Um, we got companies, I, I reached out to companies like Twitter and was like, hey, it's it's 13 steps to report anything. Um, you're using words that I don't even understand what this means. How do you expect a parent when they're in a bad situation or a 13 year old to try to report this when they have no clue how to do this? Like this is difficult for me. And so from that, then they said, hey, thank you for this feedback. Can you can we meet with you? So from there, we started getting on trust and safety. So we bridge the gap between the students, the schools and the companies so we can kind of help that. So we've massively uh, gotten tons of partnerships. They love working with us because they, we see these social media companies as a positive thing. They can be used for good. Um, we're not like they're evil. Like we're not that way. We're just right. They all can be, they're all made for something good. Unfortunately, we have, humans are messy. Um, that's, you know, kind of a thing. So it's completely yeah. expanded and now we're massively, you know, growing even more with, we have new things coming out with our digital first responder training, which also includes our social media emergency plan with school shooters happening and everyone's posting about it online. So, and then our internship massively blew up because anything we make is made with students for students. So during COVID, uh, students had nowhere to go volunteer and we've been online since we started. And so they came to us and they're like, man, this is so relevant. We need to be able to get this out. So we're in 31 states and uh, 15 countries now with students helping us. That's just incredible, um, you know, and, and to look at that amount of growth in, in nine years. Number one, I think it speaks to what tremendous work you're doing. But number two, it also speaks to the incredible need for this type of support for our students. And uh, I'm sure coming now that we're kind of maybe coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, our, our kids are back in schools on, on a regular basis and, and that kind of thing that, you know, this is mental health has been a real big topic. And, you know, talking with a lot of schools over the last couple of years, you know, that social emotional learning component, the, the mental health awareness, the mental health supports, um, all of those types of things that have ramped up and in part because of the, the pandemic certainly, I think, um, raises the work that you're doing to, to an even higher level of importance. So 
definitely congratulations on on the work you're doing and the, and the growth that you're uh, that you're seeing in that space. And and what a cool thing to get to get Aaron Judge to be a part of of what you're doing. I think you know any any time you can get a, a you know get a big name, you know somebody who's in many ways larger than life. Um, mm-hmm. To be a part of that, I think that's fantastic. Let's let's actually chase that for just a second. You mentioned, you know, tomorrow, um, you have the game that you know Aaron Judge is going to be, uh, you know, doing something with. I can help. Talk a little bit more about what specifically that that event is. Yeah. So we um, tomorrow it's at the A's Yankees game, and we had to get to have a hundred um, students and ten educators that get to go in and meet Aaron for a group photo to celebrate them using digital for good. And then he gets to talk to them about using digital for good. Uh, and then we're doing the same thing down with the Angels versus Yankees game. So we really believe that if we can get this on the, on the California, he's from California, so we're able to get this done. Um, but I know we'll be able to do this in other, uh, we have big plans that this will happen in other states. Because every month we actually get to, uh, his nonprofit's called All Rise, since his last name is The Judge. So you all rise for The Judge. So our collaboration together is called All Rise to Help. So we get to celebrate students. You can nominate a student who's who's using digital for good every month. It's on our um, website and on our on our social channels. There's a link, and then we recognize them with a power band. We send it to them with a letter from Aaron. So it's just kind of a fun way to recognize students for using digital for good. I think that's awesome. And and folks, I'll make sure in the show notes that we have have links to all of this stuff. Um, you know, we're we're saying that this game is tomorrow. The podcast will not be live until well after the game has has been played. So we'll make sure we have any media and that kind of stuff attached to that so you can go and check that out. We'll be back to the Leaning Into Leadership Podcasts, episode number thirty-six with Kim Carr in just a moment. But first, the annual women's leadership conference is back, returning to Spokane, Washington this October. Designed to unite and empower women educators, at the Women's Leadership Conference, you'll be surrounded with the support and inspiration you need to rise to the next level. Leading women educators from across the United States will help you develop leadership skills, work-life balance, conflict resolution, decision-making, and much more. Rise together at the second annual Women's Leadership Conference, October 13 through 15. It's brought to you by RLR Leadership Consulting. Clock hours are available. Register today at randyrussell.org. That's randyrussell.org. And now back to episode 36 and Kim Carr. Kim, let's go, let's go a little bit into the actual training and what that looks like. Maybe some of the components that, that you and your uh, student ambassadors um, are, are hitting. What are some of the kind of, I guess, maybe the bigger topics and, and maybe what that looks like. So my listeners who are like, oh my gosh, we've got to, we've got to get Kim and her crew here working with our students, have an idea of what maybe that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, well, legally, we actually just officially changed our name to Digital for Good. I feel like we're kind of like meta, where we changed our name, and underneath that is Facebook. So underneath Digital for Good, because we're trying to get schools and students to be Digital for Good, underneath that, it's I Can Help Lead, which is our internship and mentoring. I Can Help Educate, which is our curriculum trainings and courses. And then it's Engage, I Can Help Engage, which is our events and our social media platforms. So with part of our I Can Help Educate, it is our trainings. We do presentations. Presentations. We come in and do school present, um, whole school presentations. You get everybody on the same page. And the more schools in your district and even in your area, it matters because social media is a web, right? Like, so the more people who can get yeah. training in your area, the better. 
because it is, it's a nasty web that can either be done for nastiness or can be done for good. So if you get around the same page. Um, so inside that training, it's all about, you know, digital safety, digital citizenship, and even digital wellness, because there is so much data of why mental health has increased um, because of these devices, right? So suicide is the number two cause of death nationwide for 13 year olds, I'm sorry, 10 year olds to 24 year olds. Uh, there has been an 37% increase of anxiety and depression. And here's the thing, it's not just because of like, everyone's like, oh, TikTok, it's not that. Uh, I mean, think about it. How many has ever sent a text message to the wrong person and you freaked out? You're like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? This is so embarrassing, right? Yeah. Like that anxiety goes up. How many of you guys have been in a group chat that just got awkward? You're like, I've been in group chats where I'm like, who is in this group chat, right? And you're like, it's awkward. So anxiety goes up. Um, students have gotten put in group chats and then they leave because it's like, I don't want to be in this, but someone brings them back in. So there's all these like new things that are happening that no one knows how to handle. So that's why anxiety has gone up. It's all newness. Um, and no one knows how to maneuver that. So we're talking about that. We're kind of talking about the elephant in the room with these devices. So students are like, oh, oh, so how I was feeling is normal. And then we're teach them how to handle it because they don't know. A lot of times they don't know how to report. Um, they don't know to go check on the person who was targeted, right? That it's okay to take screenshots. You're not being the snitches get stitches mentality, right? It's at what point are you no longer being a snitch and when is it okay for you to go ask for help? So we're really kind of breaking that down because we're teaching them how to be digital first responders. They're the first ones to the scene. Right, you don't see their snaps. You're probably not on TikTok, so you don't. Your for you page is different than theirs, so they need to be the ones who come to you when there's an issue. We have proof that we've been able to decrease discipline at schools by 30% because if you can decrease your online drama, you can decrease your on-campus drama, which then decreases your discipline. I think that's awesome. You know, having in another life, having been that person in charge of discipline and attendance at a high school, at a fairly large-sized high school, um, man, that, that digital drama um, can be such a big deal. And I, I'm kind of curious about this, too. Uh, just as I said that, it started to pull in other thoughts into my head. And this loops back to the parents, because so often, um, I imagine it's still happening, that digital drama is not usually just the kids. You end up with parents who then loop right into the middle of it. And unfortunately, you know, every school will have those handful of parents who can't survive without drama around them. And they love to get in the middle of that. Is that, is that something that you address like in your, in your parent oh, wow. nights? Is that something you address with your students? I mean, let, let's talk about the adult drama stuff. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, think about it, right? Adults were never trained on social media and they don't know what they're doing either. And that's why I always tell students, you're the first generation who was born in this, right? So we have no parents who know how to parent because they never were raised with social media. And so uh, that's why I joke that a lot of students are actually educating parents on how to handle it. Like, you just don't do this. This is not how you handle this, uh, which is so funny to me. But yes, when we do the parent nights, I 100% call them out on, you know, how to stay in their lane. Like, that's what it comes down to is how do you stay in your lane when it comes to social media uh, and and knowing that whenever I do go to a parent, we do a parent night. It's part of our package plans now because I think it's so important for schools to get it. And we make it as a virtual one just because we get better attendance um, that way. And um, the big thing I tell them is if you have any neighborhood 
our next door apps or Facebook of your town. I, there's some towns I've done where they literally have, it's called, whatever the town's name is, it's called Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Invite that person who you know is the moderator of that page because most of the time when I get them to come, they're the ones that will stay after saying, thank you, I'm gonna go and change my page right now. I'm gonna edit the, like, the policies because we're teaching them like, we're the adults here. We need to make sure we're role modeling and how we're doing this. Uh, and so I really call it out and I'm respectful. It's called respectful call outs. I think that's how we handle students. And I model that same thing for adults. I think that's awesome. You know, listening to you talk about that took me back to my last my last public school position as a superintendent. Um, it was the online garage sale, actually, uh, that uh, was where was where that happened, which made virtually no sense. And then I think, you know, perhaps you know that um, that appropriate call out, you know, to the the moderator of that online garage sale, they probably would have gone and said, "Yeah, let's change this too." You know, that's uh, definitely a challenge I think every school has. You know, they've got those those handful of, you know, keyboard warriors or whatever you want to call them that, you know, are happy to, you know, fire off against the school or fire off, you know, even like even against kids. Um, and uh, so I think it's great that you're doing those those parent nights. We'll be right back for the conclusion of Episode 36 here on the Leaning into Leadership podcast with Kim Carr. But I want to remind you about the Teach Better Conference it's October 14th and 15th in Akron, Ohio. If you haven't registered yet, folks, this is the conference you really want to be at. Yes, it'll be loaded with amazing professional development from world-class educators from all over the place. But it'll also have incredible networking opportunities. You're going to get to meet new people. For that matter, you're going to finally get to meet all your Zoom and Facebook friends in person. It's going to be an incredible event. The podcasters that are part of the Teach Better Network will be there on Podcasters Row. There will be the Teach Better bloggers right there on site. And some incredible, amazing after-hours events. Folks, this is the one. Don't miss it. October 14 and 15 in Akron, Ohio. If you haven't registered yet, use this code to save 50 bucks off of your registration. The code is RTATB2022. That's RTA for Road to Awesome, TB for Teach Better, and 2022. RTA TB 2022 to save $50 off your registration for the Teach Better Conference. I will see you in Akron, Ohio, October 14th and 15th. And now, back to Kim Carr in episode 36. Let's, let, let's twist it just a little bit now and go to the um, student interns that you have. Uh, but before we hit record, you were mentioning to me that you're getting ready to record another podcast and you're going to have one of your student interns on that one, um, actually a collegiate level student, which I think is really, really awesome. So that, that actually can take us a couple of different directions. But let's talk a little bit about how those student interns are trained and what, what the expectations are of them as they go back into, into their environment. Yeah, so we actually have two internship programs, uh, which massively grew because, again, they're the group who feels it and sees that this is a problem and they want to come and help. Uh, so we have two internship programs. One is called Annual, and it's a year long. They're helping us with the student-led, student-run, student-issue project. So it really is a student voice. So all the things you're seeing on our social media channels is student voice, which is so powerful. We spotlight students. We spotlight schools. Um, every month we have what's called Students for Good, where we get a spotlight students of how they are helping and making things happen. And each team, so there's a PR team, a content creation team, 
a digital media team, video production, recruiting, all of them meet once a month. They have a mentor, they're creating, they figure out what they wanna create from their perspective, what needs to be talked about. Um, and then those are all 13 year olds up to college level. And then we have a seasonal internship. Those are only college students and they're doing it for college credit or for college experience. And again, same kind of things. We made them all based around majors. So marketing, um, video production, right? Graphic design, anything we make, and they're helping us with the business side of things. So anything we're making is made with students for students so we can keep everything relevant. Uh, it's it's 100% changed our, I mean, it, it makes our company more complex and a lot harder, I'll be honest. Because we have to organize, yeah. you know, students, which is like hurting cats sometimes. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> it's so much fun. Like when I get to go speak with Maya later on today, she's actually a junior in high school, and uh, mm. she plays. Oh, I get my stick stick and ball game sports wrong. Um, she plays lacrosse. <laughs> I think I said field hockey before, but she plays lacrosse. But she wants to go. She's getting recruited by Division One already, and um, already as a junior, she's already had it. Well. As a sophomore, in two years of her high school career, they had three suicides in those two years. So she's the one that came and found us when she was a freshman in high school because she wanted to help talk about mental health because she knew it's a problem and her school is not talking about it. So how powerful is this that now Maya gets to come speak with me in front of a national podcast that's pushed out to athletic directors and coaches to talk about mental health in, in um, athletes. I think that's just awesome. Um, and, and what a great opportunity, obviously, for her. And again, you know, her feeling empowered to reach out to you because maybe the school wasn't wasn't doing anything. I mean, now has that allowed then, did that open the door for you guys to then get into her school and, and really help her turn the tide? Or is it something she's maybe doing kind of on her own? What, is, what does that look like? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, well, when we, her freshman year, we actually did a virtual event. Um, and she actually did it with me and we walked through our emotional first aid kit. I'm telling you, uh, it's free. It's called our emotional first aid kit. It's 100% my favorite thing ever to teach because it's needed as an adult. And it just walks you through, Hey, what do you need in your emotional first aid kit? It's sounds. What are the songs that make you happy? Make a playlist, right? Uh, so I joke that, um, one of my interns was going through a bad breakup. So I made it call it was called forget forget them. <laughs> and then <laughs> ironically, my sister was going through a divorce. So I sent her the playlist, right? And then it's it's like get your power back and be able to move forward. And principal told me that she made a playlist because of uh it's called F, I'm short of sub, <laughs> and it's all nineties hip hop. And, like, <laughs> I need and it's just like how do you change your mood when you try to go into this negative thing? It's with sound, right? That's your emotional first aid kit. The next thing in your emotional first aid kit is sites. So changing your screensaver, like right now my screensaver is, um, I go hiking a lot. So it's a picture of me hiking. Sometimes it's my friends. Um, my friends know I change my screensaver a lot, so they'll send me pictures and I change it. So just, it's a fun thing to go through. So if a kid comes into your office or even a teacher who's stressed out, ask them, what's your screensaver? It's gonna quickly calm them down. Or what's your favorite song? And be like, hey, Alexa, play this song. Like do something fun because it'll help de-escalate if a kid is emotionally upset, um, disturbed, or, you know, angry, whatever it might be, it does change their mood. So we walk them through the six emotional first aid kits. So we did that with Maya. Um, they, the school was doing things and students weren't showing up, but because Maya planned it, 
180 students showed up virtually on their own time. It was after school hours. The counselors were impressed. Like, what the heck? How did you get all these people here? And I said, I looked at Maya. I was like, it's her. Because what she did was she went to her lacrosse coach. She, the lacrosse coach mandated, hey, I want you all to go to this instead of come to practice, right? Then that lacrosse coach went to another five coaches, said, hey, this is what I'm doing. And then they chose to do it too because they saw, like, this is a problem. And then it was, it was like the cool thing to do. So all these students came. They all had their like cameras off, right? Because it was virtual. We didn't care. We kept it comfortable. But it was neat because when we got to um, touch, hey, what is your favorite thing to touch? A senior turned on his camera and showed off his baby blanket. <laughs> and he made it like, <laughs> like he was vulnerable enough to like, and it was, I will be honest with you, it didn't even look like a baby blanket. It was like barely fabric. It was like this tiny little thing. <laughs> And because he was vulnerable in the show of his baby blanket and he was making jokes about it, people started turning on their cameras and showing off their baby blankets and their stuffed animals and whatever else. Like it was so much fun. And because we, again, it was help led by students for students, the conversation became natural and organic. And that's what this generation wants is they want organic. They want it natural. They want you to know, like, there is things that are awkward and you have to call that out and make it so it's not so awkward. So I'm, I'm curious. I, I love every bit of that story. I think that is super fantastic. Um, it, it takes me to a place, though, uh, just a quick question about that. When when we're doing things, of course, you know, my big focus is school culture and climate. And when we're doing things to really build that culture and we want it student driven, just just like this work, one of the challenges is keeping it evergreen, keeping it in in the front because students graduate how does this become that grassroots movement in a school that it stays and it's not, oh, better get Kim back here. You know, it's been four years. Not not that you wouldn't want to go back to a school, but how how does it how does it just kind of get that, I guess, that um, that ability to just become part of the culture, just part of what they do? Sure. Yeah, I think the big thing, because, again, being a teacher and knowing how that works, because a lot of you, as you know, being an ed- educator uh, is these people come in, they give a message, they leave, and then it just definitely just like fades out really quick. So what we had done from the beginning, and it definitely is showing its works, is A, we have, we get to try to get the staff to buy the bright shirts, right? We want the staff to buy, wear the bright shirts. Um, it keeps the message going and it's just something positive and fun. They're soft t-shirts, like, so they just feel good. Uh, and then we give out stickers, so it's on people's phones. And like, those are such simple things that it's just constantly around camp. Kids will keep those stickers on for years. And even staff, they keep their, their stickers on the back of their phones for years. And then the other big piece is uh, the educators purposely invite the students they want to be on our like internship program to make sure that they're getting fed in so that they come back and keep their campus fired up to do things, right? So that we're building our community of interns and that it builds them to be able to have that. Or if they don't want them to come there, they send them every month to our students for good to get fired up, to come back. Like um, a school I serve out in Hawaii, they uh, send their student council. They have to attend at least, um, I think every quarter, I think they have to attend at least one of our students for good. And they come back with ideas every time to be able to bring back to their campus uh, to impact their school, which is so powerful. 
I think that's awesome. And and it's definitely something as a school leader that is worthy of the investment because that's, you know, there's so many elements uh, that, that are a part of our school culture and certainly the, you know, the mental health and the, the well-being of our staff and our students, you know, and, and their ability to, to feel safe in their environment is, is going to impact the culture as much as anything. So um, my next to last question for you, but, but it's the question I ask everybody here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast is, Kim, right now, how are you leaning into leadership? Yeah, I'm definitely leaning into leadership and finding what is needed. There's so many things that are needed in this field. Like the big one, like I said, was school shootings is a problem. And I just kept seeing, I mean, I don't know if you know, but we've actually had more school shootings in 2022 than we have altogether. So that is a massive, horrible number to look at. And how do you not do something about it? So we've created a social media emergency plan to help train uh, your staff, like, hey, what are your steps? And then we're also creating videos around the see something, say something, but online, because students are seeing things online, but they don't know how to report or they're too scared to report because these students that are doing it are very scary. And they're like, I didn't know what to do. He's scary. I mean, the one in Texas was known as a school shooter on their on their gaming devices, and they didn't do anything about it. They were scared of him. So it's making sure you have these conversations uh, with students um, so that we can hopefully change these stats because it's, it's making anxiety and depression definitely increase even more. So that's how I'm leaning into leadership is just finding what is needed and what's you know what is needed before people you know that they that we can start helping these gaps for sure absolutely you know you, you see a problem you go solve a problem that's to me that's leadership right there um, so my actual final question kim how does everybody get in touch with you i'm going to put it all in the show notes but but for those who who just want to hear it from you how do you get in touch with kim carr how do you bring the uh, digital for good work to your school to your state to your community yeah, so our website is uh, ICanHelp.net. Our social media channels are I Can Help Official, and then my email is Kim at ICanHelp.net. So please reach out to us. We have so many free resources. We give out free resources every month in our newsletters. It's even how do you take down fake pages because every school has all kinds of fake pages, so it's teaching you how to take down those. We walk you through those steps and make sure that you can get them down. Uh, so yes, please, please reach out. I wouldn't create a nonprofit called I Can Help if we didn't like to help. So thanks for, thanks for having me, Darren. Yeah, absolutely, Kim. Thanks so much for being a guest here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Appreciate you. Keep up the great work that you're doing out there and making a difference for, for everybody that's out there in education. So thanks so much. Thank you. I had the opportunity to first meet Kim in March this year at the CATA conference, um, actually in Reno, Nevada. And I was just struck immediately with how passionate she is about what it is she's doing to impact educators and to impact kids. I really appreciate everything she shared on the show. There were so many incredible positive pieces there. I think if I'm if I'm a school administrator right now, if I'm uh, a school leader of any kind, a, a teacher, an assistant principal, um, district level, whatever, I'm looking at the social media emergency plan. I'm wanting to talk to her about the emotional first aid kit. So many incredible elements there. Make sure that you connect with Kim. She's a wonderful person and she brings incredible things along with her entire organization to the table that are really fantastic. Again, I'll put in the show notes how you can contact Kim. And now it's time for a pep talk. 
In today's pep talk, I want to go right at something that Kim talked about, and that's having those parent nights and having that communication with parents. So often I hear administrators ask me how they can go about increasing parent communication. The number one thing, folks, that I tell them that I want to tell you is don't make it contrived. Don't try to make it a thing. Don't try to make it an event. Just make it something that is just how you do it. Make it part of your culture. The more you do it, the more frequent you do it, and in the more authentic and genuine ways you do it, the better that communication is going to be between the school and the parents. I think we have a tendency to overthink parent communication. Folks, it's just communication. And I'll be honest with you, I was guilty at times of trying to do things that were, well, honestly, a little contrived to how we were going to communicate with parents or with our community. Find a couple of things that work well for you, things that you feel comfortable with. Don't try to wedge something in that you don't feel good about. Just do something that's authentic. Do something Do something that's real and then show up regularly. Consistency with whatever it is that you're putting out there. That to me is the key with that parent communication. In fact, that's the key with any communication. Be consistent, be authentic, and show up. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Kim Carr. Once again, a big congratulations to Chris Leglider and Dan Wolf, the winners of the Leaning Into Leadership Podcast Challenge. I hope you all have an absolutely amazing Road to Awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.